Well, today we're starting a, a new message series, which have been titled Christmas Stories. And so in this series, we're going to be looking at some of the most well-known Christmas stories uh, in the Bible, but we want to look at them with, with some fresh eyes. Now, even though many of us, probably most of us, could tell these stories by heart, I believe God wants to teach us some important lessons through them. You know, it's one thing to know a story. It's, it's another to allow God to change your life through that story. And the stories that are written in the Bible are written for our instruction. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And so this verse was written about Old Testament stories, but it also applies to New Testament stories. The stories in the Bible were written not only to teach us what happened in the past, although they do tell us what happened in the past, they were written to give us examples. Uh, examples, some examples to follow, godly examples, and some examples not to follow, ungodly examples. And those examples can instruct us how we should live our lives today. They instruct us how God interacts and deals with people. And we are living in a time that's mentioned uh, in this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, on whom the end of the ages has come. Now, that was written when? 2,000 years ago. The end of the ages was coming, and it is still coming now 2,000 years later. We are living in the last days. The last days uh, began when Jesus rose, ascended up into heaven, and they're going to continue until he returns again. Now, sometimes when we read the Bible stories, we we look at people and they seem larger than life. Uh, they seem like heroes. They seem like people we could, we could never be like. We could never attain to them. And, and some people call them saints, you know, the saints in the Bible. And yet the Bible teaches, we talked about last Sunday, that all believers are saints. The people in the Bible stories were not perfect people. They were people just like you and me. And so we can learn from their lives. We can learn from how God dealt with them. And today we're going to talk about trusting God for the impossible. Trusting God for the impossible. Now, what does the word impossible mean? Well, impossible means not possible. Not possible by natural or, or normal means. Something that when we look at it, we say that, that just simply can't happen. And if you believe that, if you believe something that appears impossible and you tell somebody else about it, or you try to do something that others say is impossible, people think you're crazy, right? I mean, like, why would you do that? That's impossible. Uh, why are you wasting your time on that? Why are you attempting to do something that's impossible? Why do you believe in something that's impossible? But there's a word in our title uh, that makes all the difference, and that word is God. We want to learn how to trust God for the impossible because God is not limited to natural or normal means. God is supernatural. Matthew nineteen twenty six. Jesus told someone, he said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. There are many things in the world that are impossible for you and me. And we would do well to recognize we can't do everything. Uh, some people say, if you can dream it, you can do it. That is not true. Uh, you can dream all kinds of things that are never, ever going to happen. Uh, there are many things that are impossible for us. 
But that is not the end of the story. What Jesus said, with God, all things are possible because God's power is unlimited. Mark 9.23, Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And so in this verse, Jesus was speaking to a man who had difficulty in, in trusting God for an, a healing that seemed impossible. And Jesus told him, if you can, if you can believe in God, then, then nothing is impossible. All things are possible. And so we see that faith is important. Faith is required in order for, faith in God is required in order for impossible things to happen. And so today we're going to look at a Christmas story, the Christmas story of the angelic appearance to Mary to learn about trusting God for the impossible. Now, as we go through this story, I want each of us to think about our own lives. I believe that God has put an imp impossible thing in each of our lives. Something that God desires for you, but it seems impossible to you. In fact, it is impossible for you to accomplish it in your own strength and with your own ability. And so keep that in your mind as we go through the message this morning. And if, if you think you're capable of accomplishing everything that God wants in your life, then you need to pray a bit because God has some impossible things for you to do. So let God's word build your faith because all things are possible for the one who believes. So in our story, we're going to look at, at how God is speaking to Mary through an angel and then how Mary responds to the angel's message. And so as we do, I believe that God is going to be speaking his word to us and how we need to respond to that word by following Mary's example. First, God speaks to us and says, God's speaking to Mary first and is speaking to us that he is with us. I am with you. Our story begins in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. It said, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And so our story begins with God sending an angel to visit Mary. Now Mary was a virgin who was betrothed to Joseph. Betrothal was uh, similar to our engagement, but it was really even more binding than an engagement today. And as we look through the Bible, we see that angels are sent by God to deliver messages to people. In fact, the word angelos means messenger. An angel is a messenger sent to send God's message to people. Uh, angels have not vanished. Okay? We can't see them with our eyes unless God reveals one to us. Uh, there are still angels, and angels still appear to people today. But in this case, the angel Gabriel announced to Mary that she was favored by God. And as we go on with the story, we'll see how the angel told her how she was going to be favored by God. And then the angel told Mary that the Lord was with her. Now, who was Mary? Mary was at this time a, a God-fearing Jewish girl. Uh, she was young. We don't know how young, but fairly young. She had never seen an angel before as far as we know. She didn't probably consider that she was a, a really special girl or that she was favored by God in a special way or that the Lord was with her in a unique way. And so what the angel spoke to her was, 
was really a complete surprise to her. It was unexpected. Now, as we go through the message today, I believe that God wants us to learn from and identify with Mary's example. Now, of course, God's plan for our lives is very different than God's plan was for Mary's life. And so as we look at the stories in the Bible, including this story, it's important for us to distinguish between the principles that apply to us today and specific things in the story or characters there that do not apply to us. But I believe as we go through, we're going to find things today that uh, apply to us and how God reveals his plans to us as he revealed his plans to Mary. And so the Lord, through the angel, she, he encourages Mary by announcing that God was with her. And we'll see the importance of that as we continue on. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, Behold, I'm with you always to the, to the end of the age. And so obviously that applies to all believers. So the word that uh, the Lord spoke to Mary applies to us as well. God says, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. And so Jesus is always going to be with us. And so this, mat, this morning, no matter what you're going through in life, whether you're going through good times or not so good times, God wants to tell you he's with you. You're not going through life alone. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. And if you're not a believer here this morning, then God is seeking to be with you, but you need to respond to him. Invite him into your life. And we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. Now, how did Mary respond to the angel saying, you're favored and I'm with you? Well, uh, Mary's response was she, she was she was confused. And sometimes when God speaks to us, it confuses us too. Uh, Luke 1.29, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, you know, it appears to me that Mary was troubled by what the angel said um, rather than the appearance of the angel. So I don't, I don't know what that means. In normal, people see an angel, they fall down like dead or something. They faint. But Mary didn't seem too troubled by the appearance of the angel. She just seemed troubled by what the angel said. As a young peasant girl, she'd probably never thought of herself as unique or especially favored. And now she was troubled and we know from the angel's words that she was afraid. I mean, angels only say uh, things like, do not be afraid if somebody's afraid. I mean, the angel saw that she was afraid and so said, don't be afraid. Perhaps Mary understood. We have reason to believe she knew the Old Testament very well. She'd been brought up and trained to understand God's word as they had it at that time. Perhaps she understood that when an angel appeared with a message, the message would require something of her. When angels appear with a message, it generally radically changes your life. Angels just don't appear for like, hi, how you doing? Okay, angels come with a message that something is going to change in your life and God's going to require something of you. And so Gabriel seeks to ease her fears reminds her again that God has favored her, and that's a good thing. The angel was saying, you know, don't be afraid. I'm here to bring blessing. I'm here to bring favor into your life. 
And so Mary's first response to the angel's message was one of fear and confusion. Now, when somebody becomes a believer today, sometimes people only understand that God loves them uh, and God wants to forgive their sins. And, and really, that is really the basics of becoming a believer. But it's often under, not understood, it's often not explained to new believers that God has a specific plan for their lives. And so the life that they've lived as an unbeliever is over when you become a believer. Now God has new plans for your life, plans that you've probably never dreamed about. And God's plans for our lives can be confusing. They, they can be scary at first, as they were for Mary. And yet God tells each one of us, don't be afraid. Don't worry about the plans that I have for your life. If you're a believer, you have found favor with God. The plans I have for you, God says to us, are, are good plans. And sometimes we don't know how to respond to God when he speaks to us. We don't know even how to pray about the situations that we may find ourselves in. The things that God's plan for our life leads us into. Romans 8.26 says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings to deeper words. And so when we don't know what to say to God about a particular situation or the things that he's speaking to us, God promises to help us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit who lives inside each believer can help us to pray and to connect with God. And so even though Mary was troubled and confused, God didn't give up on her. The angel just continued to speak. And God began to explain the plan that he had to bless her. And so the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary and says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And so now the angel gets to the heart of his message. This is the, the message that God had sent Gabriel to convey to Mary. Even though she was a virgin, even though she had not been married, uh, was not yet married to Joseph, she would bear a son and name him Jesus. And this baby would not be an ordinary baby. He would be great. He would be called the son of God. He would be a king. He would reign forever. His kingdom would be eternal. Now, that was quite a message for a young, betrothed Jewish girl. Not only she was going to have a baby, but this baby would be much more than human. The baby would be both divine and human and would live forever. And that was God's plan for Mary's life, a plan I'm sure she never would have dreamed about in a million years. And when she heard it, she would have great questions how it was even possible. A plan that would give her a unique privilege. That would be unlike any other woman or girl in the history of the world. God had a plan to bless Mary in a wonderful way. That was the angel's message to her. Now, although angels are still around, they still appear to people today. And I've read examples that I believe are true. They 
do give messages. It doesn't happen very frequently. I've never been visited by an angel, uh, to my knowledge. But God still communicates his plans to us in many different ways, if we have ears to listen. I would say he usually doesn't use angels to communicate his plans to us. He uses different ways. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans, God is speaking here, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. So God's plans for Mary were good and God's plans for us are good as well. God's plans for your life are the best possible plans that there could be. And God's plans for your life and my life are perfectly suited for who God has made you to be. They're perfectly suited for where and when he has created you to live. I don't think I would have made it if I was born 100 B.C. Okay? I need my computer and air conditioning and automobiles. I just wouldn't have made it, I, working in the fields or whatever, you know? I mean, God has put us in a particular time, in a particular place that is perfectly suited for the plans that he has for us. How does God communicate his plans for us if he doesn't send an angel? Well, God communicates with us, and this is a topic of multiple other messages, but in four main ways. God communicates to us through his word, through his written word. God communicates to us through his spirit, speaking to us directly. God communicates with us through godly counsel from other believers. And God communicates with us through the circumstances uh, that he places in our lives, that he places us among. But God wants you to know his plan for your life. Some people say, I just don't know what it is. Well, God wants you to know his plan for your life because he wants you to carry out that plan. And so he's not hiding his plan for you from you. If you desire to follow his plan and you seek to know it, God will show it to you. And generally, God shows it to us one step at a time. He doesn't lay out the whole thing for the rest of your days. It's one step at a time. Even though God's plans for our lives are a blessing, everything about the plan is not going to be a bed of roses. And it wasn't for Mary. She had to see her son crucified on the cross. Oftentimes, God's plans for our lives may seem impossible. And so it seemed to Mary. So our response and Mary's response was, this seems impossible. Mary said to the angel in verse 34, how will this be since I am a virgin? So Mary didn't seem too concerned that her son would be divine and that her son would live forever. She couldn't figure out how she could become pregnant since she was a virgin and not married. In other words, the angel's words to her about having a son seemed impossible. Now, in the Bible, we see this reaction in different stories over and over. God gives someone his plan for their life, and they go, hey, I can't do that. That's just impossible. God spoke to Moses, to, told him to go speak to Pharaoh, tell him to let the people go, and Moses said, I can't do that. I can't speak. That's impossible. Go ask somebody else. And God wasn't very happy with Moses' response, uh, and he made him do it anyhow. But uh, we see that over and over. Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a son. They say, well, we don't really believe that. We're too old, so we're going we're gonna to work up another way. They believed it was impossible. 
But to give Mary credit, she didn't say to the angel, this is impossible. She asked a question, you know, like, how can this possibly work? I don't quite, I don't quite get it. And we are often the same today. When God calls us to do something, sometimes we respond and say, can't do that, God. Uh, I'm just not equipped. Or it won't work. But really what we're saying oftentimes is I don't want to do it. I don't want to do what you're calling me to do or I, I really think I can't do it. I think it's impossible. Or sometimes we think it's too hard. I don't want to put forth the effort. And yet what is true about God's plans for our lives, God's plans for your life, are always impossible in your own strength. You cannot do what God is calling you to do without his help. They are impossible. God's plans for our lives almost always involve us doing something we've never done before. Learning something new. Stepping out in a new way. God wants to teach you to do new things. God's plan for your life does involve big things like when you're younger, what is your career going to be? Well, as you get older, your career may change. And that may be an impossible change, you know, like it was for me. Like, let's use your chemistry background to be a pastor. It's like, it doesn't make sense. Okay, that's another topic for another time. <clears throat> uh, it involves big plans like who you're going to marry. Uh, those are big things. It involves much smaller things, day-to-day -day things. Uh, how are you going to be involved in ministry? How are you going to be involved in serving God and witnessing and giving and discipling others and in, in uh, raising a family and doing your work on your job? All kinds of things that God has a plan for all of those things. But we need to remember that everything that God calls us to do, they are possible with Him. And not only are they possible, they are the very best way that we can live our lives for Him. If we think that something is impossible, we need to ask, like Mary, like, okay, God, you call me to do this. It seems impossible. How is this going to work? And so the angel didn't get upset with Mary. He simply answered her question. And it was basically that nothing is impossible with the Spirit's power. The angel answered her in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And so what seemed impossible by natural means that a virgin would give birth to a son is possible by supernatural means. In this case and in every case, the things that seem impossible are possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Mary's case, the child Jesus would be conceived through Mary in the Spirit, and so he would be fully human and fully divine as well, the very Son of God. And the angel concludes his, his talk to Mary by saying, nothing will be impossible with God. In fact, God had enabled her relative Elizabeth uh, to conceive John the Baptist with her husband Zechariah in her old age when she had been barren for her whole life. And so the Spirit enables all the plans of God in our lives. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So in this verse, circle the phrase, all things. The power of God has given us everything we need that pertain to God's plans for our lives. All things that pertain to life and godliness. This includes things that relate to our spiritual lives and things that relate to the necessities of life. The things we all have to deal with and all have to do. And if we put the spiritual things of life first, as Matthew 6.33 says, if we seek first his kingdom, then God's going to make sure that everything else works out. He's going to meet our needs. How? Through the power of the Spirit. And so this morning we began by talking about what impossible things are in your life, the things that God is calling you to do, the things that you believe God wants to change or for you to accomplish in your life. What impossible things are there in your life today? It might be a lost relative who is far from God. And it seems impossible that they would ever believe. It might be a financial or a job issue that seems impossible to resolve. It might be a health issue or a relationship issue. It might be a ministry issue. Or we could go on and on. In your life, what is the impossible thing? Whatever it is, remember, nothing is impossible with God. If God is calling you to do that, if God is telling you he wants to do that, then he can do it through the power of the Spirit. And so what should our response be to these impossible things that God is calling us to do? What should our response be to God's plan? It should be to surrender to his plan. And that's what Mary did. Mary said in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So Mary understood that God was God and she was his servant. She was simply going to serve God. Of course, Lord means master and Mary was committed to serving him. And her next word, she said, let it be to me according to your word. That revealed her faith. She chose to reveal, I mean, to, to believe God's word. What the angel said to her was God's word to her and she chose to believe that it was going to happen, no matter how impossible it seemed to her. Something that had never happened in the history of the world was going to happen, and she had the faith to believe it. She surrendered to God's plan and put her faith in God to accomplish it. Now, sometimes we're tempted to fight God's plan for our lives rather than surrender to them. And we see this in the case of Characters in the Bible, Moses arguing with God over his plan for his life. We may argue with God. We may seek to ignore what he's saying to us. Or we may simply not seek God's plan for our lives. Now, if we don't follow God's plan for our lives, what, which are God's will for us, what is the alternative? Now, as I was writing this message, I almost wrote here that the alternative to God's plan for our lives, is our plans. And then I thought about it more, and I thought that's really not true. The alternative to God's plans to our lives are, are really Satan's plans. Because anything that is not God's will is sin. And our choice is simply whether we're going to follow God's plans or we're going to follow the enemy's plans. God's plans will lead to blessing, 
Satan's plans will lead to curses. Now again, oftentimes we think there's a middle ground, right? We have God's plans, we have our plans, and we have the devil's plans. Of course, we're not going to do the devil's plans, but our plans aren't so bad. And they're possible. God's plans are impossible. But no, there's really only two plans. God wants us to follow his plans, surrendering to his plans. And as Mary surrendered to God's plan, she was privileged, as no other woman has been, to bring into the world the very Son of God. She saw him minister. She saw him heal people, cast out demons, teach people, raise people from the dead. She saw him die on the cross. She saw him after he rose from the dead. She was there on the day of Pentecost, baptized in the Holy Spirit. She saw him ascend back into heaven. And at the beginning, when the angel announced his plan, God's plan to her, she had no idea how it was all going to take place. But God was with her, as he had promised each step of the way. And one day, we'll see Mary in heaven. We can ask her questions. I'm sure. In closing, I'd like us to watch a, a video of the song, uh, Mary, Did You Know? And it just, to think about Mary's faith, even though she didn't understand in how God was faithful. Mary didn't know what was going to happen, all the things that were going to happen as she surrendered to God's plan, but it was wonderful. And likewise, God doesn't show us every aspect of the rest of our lives, the rest of his plan for us, but he shows us enough to take the next step. And we can be confident that as we surrender to, as we follow God's plan, we will find his blessing. The first step in trusting God for the impossible is to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To do that, you admit that you've sinned. You've been following plans that were not God's plans for your life. And that's the essence of what sin is. You believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven, that he might come into your life and you commit your life to following him and his plans for your life. So I'd like us to bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. And if you've never prayed a prayer committing your life to Jesus Christ, or perhaps you prayed it in the past and you want to recommit your life, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Pray something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've been following, not following your plans for my life. I've been doing whatever I felt was right. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. I believe he rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive my sins. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you, your word, and your plans as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name, I pray. And for those of us who are believers, Father, we thank you for this Christmas story, the story of the angel visiting Mary and Mary trusting you for the impossible. 
Help us to understand your plans for our lives. We want to know your plans and we want to follow them. And we choose to follow them this morning. And even though they may seem impossible to us, God, we, we believe that through your Spirit's power, you will guide us and enable us to carry out those plans. And we believe, as we do, your kingdom will be expanded and our lives will be blessed. And others will be blessed as well. Today, we declare that we, we know and we believe that your plans for our lives are the very best plans that we could possibly live out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.